0: what can you accomplish in five years? You go to high school, then maybe one year of college, or find work, that's about five years. Some folks have a decent tenure at their place of employment. They work for about five years. For some, it's the amount of time it takes to pay off their car. They put it on a 60-month loan. So that kind of gives a time frame. Five years is a decent stretch of time. Now here's something else that can be accomplished in five years, worry. Now. Maybe not five years right in a row, but stretched out over our lifetime. A survey that was conducted by a healthcare provider in the United Kingdom in 2013 found that the average person spends more than five years of their life worrying. Total. They discovered that the average adult loses about two hours a day worrying about issues like personal finances, getting old, and job security. Overall, they found the average person spends about 14 hours a week fretting about their life. One survey of 2,000 people asked, what do you worry about most? Here's their top 10. Number one, getting old. Financial future, two, three, low energy level. Four, their diet. Five, job security. Six, agent appearance, physique. Number seven, paying the rent or the mortgage. Number eight, finances around credit cards and debt. Number nine. And number 10 seemed rather obvious, a general feeling of unhappiness after going through one through nine. (laughs) <laughs> Just this past week, David Brooks of the New York Times wrote an article entitled The Epidemic of Worry. And in this article, he relates how the election cycle has created stress and worry for folks. And he writes this, quote, Some mental health therapists are reporting that three-quarters of their patients are mentioning significant election-related anxiety, or as one writer noted, we have election infection. An American Psychological Association study found that more than half of all Americans are very somewhat stressed by this race. And then David Brooks adds this, quote, "Anxiety is coursing through American society." Anxiety is coursing through American society." And in the best sense of the term, I think this is bipartisan. It's bipartisan anxiety. It's bipartisan stress. It's bipartisan worry. And I see it firsthand. I see it from people who are completely closed down, shut off. It's like there's a sign on the front of them that simply says this, I'll be out until next week. Check back with me November 9th. I'm going into hiding. So in the midst of this, we're reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus literally invites us to stop worrying, to quit worrying. So, what if we simply took Jesus at his word? What if we accepted this invitation to stop worrying and we try to recover about five years of our life back? At least five years of being present to something else other than just worry. On what basis does Jesus offer this invitation? That's the question I have. You know, I read that when Jesus says, stop worrying about tomorrow, and something in me just says, wow, that is easy for you to say. But then I have to go read my Gospels and realize the three years that Jesus spent and say, well, maybe it wasn't that easy for you to say. On what basis does Jesus offer this? Well, I think it's this. On the basis of how much God values us, and cares for us, and is committed to providing for us because of God's love for us. This is the whole context of the verses preceding that. God's deep love for us, which shows up in God's care, and how much God values and how much value God places on our life. Jesus goes to great lengths to explain this to his disciples. He talks about nature. He says, look at the birds. They're taken care of by God and my wife, but they're taken care of by God. Linda feeds all the birds in Randolph County. We've got that covered. But he says to the disciples, look at the birds. They are taken care of. And then he adds this, and you're much more valuable than birds. In other words, if God is willing to provide and care for the birds and we're much more valuable to God than birds are, won't God care for our needs as well? And then he points to the lilies of the field and their beauty and how even Solomon in all of his splendor is not as beautiful as these lilies. And then he says to the disciples, if God dresses grass in the field so beautifully it's alive today tomorrow it's thrown into the fire won't God do much more for you in other words the grass and the lilies they're beautiful but they're disposable they serve a short purpose in God's eyes we are not disposable our life is not disposable we are of deep value to God and in this valuing God is committed to caring for us and providing for you and I and as if to press the point even further in all of this Jesus then adds this so who among you By worrying can add a single moment to your life. Hmm. Again, I paraphrase for myself as if Jesus is saying, look, you do so much worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, how you're going to look, how you're going to keep yourself young, how good you're going to look. Will any of this add life to your years? Will it increase the span of your life? Probably not. So stop worrying about those things and realize how much you're valued and loved that God will provide all that you need. Be present to this day. Don't worry about tomorrow. It has its own troubles and worries guaranteed. Be present to this day, this moment, this gift, and the abundance of God's love for you in this day. I had a seminary instructor, uh, Alan Culp, when I was at Erland School of Religion that always seemed to end all of his prayers this way, and I remember it to this day. Four years of seminary, and this is probably one of the things I remember the most. He would always pray this, yesterday's gone, tomorrow's not here yet. All we have is today. All we have. He didn't deal in the guilt of the past. He didn't deal in the what-ifs of the future. All he had was today. And this is a man who went through chemotherapy, I think, at least twice for lymphoma. And when he felt strong enough, ran marathons and played golf and taught class. He was focused on this moment. And he still teaches to this day now in northern Ohio, up around Cleveland. Henry Nowen adds this. When I trust deeply that today God is truly with me, and holds me safe in a divine embrace, guiding every one of my steps, I can let go of my anxious need to know how tomorrow will look or what will happen next month or next year. I can be fully here where I am and pay attention to the many signs of God's love within me and around me. I love Lisa's phrase when she shared in open worship, little bits of God. Just looking and finding little bits of God in our day. And by the way, Glenn, I found a new way to end all of my prayers. Thanks, God, I feel better. That was beautiful. What is prayer, if anything, but it just helps us feel better. Paul, in the passage that Deanna read, kind of adds this to Jesus' words. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. I'm going to condense this a little bit and and just suggest a few things as we move into the next few days and even the next week. Because Paul, I think, offers us some, some suggestions to kind of work through the stress and work through the anxiety. Paul invites us first to just simply pray. And when I think of praying, I just think of having a conversation with God. I think of this interactive relationship with God where I'm listening, but I'm offering my petitions, I'm offering my requests. Often prayer is a way of just naming what is stressing us and offering that to God in much the way that Glenn prayed. And Glenn, I'm glad you felt led because I think you taught us this morning how to pray. Pray our heart, pray our soul, pray our stresses, pray our worries, because as Jesus says, God hears and God knows and God understands. Take time to pray, whatever that looks and feels like for you. Even so much so, and I'm, I'm sort of kind of going rogue here, but this is just a leading that I have. Even so much so, November 8th, we are a polling place back in the fellowship hall. They'll be here probably about 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning. They'll be here at about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night. I want to open up this space here for people just to come and pray. For people just to come and sit and be silent. And just to offer a different space for people just to listen and begin to acknowledge that God continues to be present, God continues to be real. To take a deep breath and remind ourselves who is in control. Paul says, give thanks. Thanksgiving and everything. Some people do a gratitude journal. Some people spend the end of their day looking back on what they're grateful for. Some people go to the zoo. Some people just simply find the small things and are grateful for what God has provided. Yesterday was a good day for me to do that. I stood around. Well, I actually worked some, but when I wasn't working, I stood around, (laughs) and I thanked God for all the ones that were able to come and all the ones before us who've been here many, many years and Saturdays that have kept this space beautiful for this community. I thank God who, for people who knew how to do more than what I need to do and could make me look good while I was standing around holding a rake. I thank God for the beauty of the day. I thank God for the space to just simply be present and sit and enjoy the afternoon. I thank God for technology. Sometimes we really rail on technology, but I thank God for technology for the fact that our daughter can call us anytime, anywhere, and we can still talk 3,000 to 4,000 miles away. I thank God for family and friends being over last night. We had a time just to laugh, Chad and Marissa and two of their friends, just to laugh and share and be together. I say all that to say, yeah, sometimes you got to dig deep, but sometimes you just need to thank God for the gifts that are present in your life to counteract the negative narratives that come our way and want to subvert us to it. And then I would add this. This isn't what Paul has or Jesus has in their statement, but I want to add this. Maybe a way to move out of some of this coursing anxiety that David Brooks talks about is find someone to offer a word of encouragement to this week. In fact, I would even go a bit farther. Make it a spiritual practice this week to call a hiatus on anything else that may seem negative, and just offer encouragement to people because I don't think we've had enough of that. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says this out of the Living Bible, Anxious hearts are very heavy, but a word of encouragement does wonders. So maybe this week we just engage in the spiritual practice of offering encouragement to one another, to those we disagree with, to those who we know we're going to cancel out their vote next Tuesday and they're going to cancel out our vote. We just offer encouragement because anxiousness is weighing us down. The math backs it up. And it's taking about five years away from our life, at least the joy and the abundance. So maybe it's time we do some encouraging and we look for people that really need our encouragement. It's been a stressful cycle. It's been a stressful season with negativity, toxicity, constant incivility, and even damaged relationships. Everyone is just waiting for it to be over. And maybe that will help. But just remember, this won't be the last election. I don't say that to be negative. It won't be. But maybe we can start putting spiritual practices into our lives that make a difference so that when everything is triggered, We know we're going to worry. We're human. We know we're going to be anxious. We're human. But we know we don't have to carry it all alone. We know that we can take it to God through prayer. We know that we can be grateful. We know that we can encourage one another. And maybe we can choose to change how we carry the anxiety and worry and begin to release it to the one who cares about us so deeply, who values us so deeply, and will always, always provide. Albert Einstein wrote this or said this at one point, and I'll close with this. The most important decision we can make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or a hostile universe. The most important decision we can make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or a hostile universe. I choose to believe we live in a friendly one. We're just having a bad stretch but I choose to believe we live in a friendly one. And I choose to make sure that it stays that way as best as possible.